Hello guys and welcome to Your Balance Co. I'm so excited for today's episode because who I am interviewing, Charlie O'Halloran, is a holistic coach and he's experienced in all things gut health, which is what we love. And I actually reached out to him purely from some of his videos that he posts on Instagram. And they're a lot to do with IBS and um, leaky gut and just everything to do with gut health. And I'm wanting to kind of record this episode for you guys and to really myself because Charlie literally knows so much about the gut. So I'm very, very excited. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Christy. Thank you for having me. No, I am excited. So firstly, I want to learn more about what got you into gut health. Well, it's been basically my own journey. So I was a personal trainer for about six or seven years and I loved that. But what I found was that a lot of my clients, while I was training them in the gym, they weren't necessarily getting a complete resolution with their health. So they might have been losing weight or building muscle, but they weren't either feeling great. They might have been struggling with their mental health and I didn't really feel equipped to help them. And it's funny because my health got to a point where I just couldn't continue going the way I was going. So obviously I was pretty knowledgeable when it came to training and I thought I knew a lot about nutrition and calories and macros, but I'd always struggled with my mental health. And it got to a point, what actually happened was I'd been on antidepressant medications for three or four years. And I really struggled with depression, anxiety, but I'd never told anyone about that. But I decided to come off antidepressant medications and that's when my health really started to cascade and get really poor. Um, My mental health got a lot worse. My physical health started to kind of struggle a little bit. So I didn't really know what was going on. And basically, I went to the doctors and they told me that everything was normal. They told me all my blood work was fine and that maybe it was all just in my head. And this was really challenging. But what ended up happening, I sought out what I ended up becoming, one of my mentors um, in the future was like a functional health coach. So He kind of looked at my blood work from a different perspective and introduced me to the world of gut health and showed me how a lot of my health symptoms and struggles were linked back to my gut. So this sent me down a big rabbit hole of healing my own gut and it was a multiple year journey. And what happened was I realized how much of an impact this had been having on my health for so long. And, you know, my health really started to change my mental health, my mental clarity, my energy even who I was as a person. And obviously my symptoms started to improve too. So just by, I guess my own journey led me to then start to learn more. My own life changed. And then I wanted to be able to help my clients change their life in the same way that mine was. And I suppose that's just cascaded on and on and rolled on. And yeah, it's led me to now. Well, I do love as well that you are a guy who's experiencing it because I'm not saying it's rare for guys to have gut issues, but it's kind of like they're just more immune to it so they don't really notice it as much as women because obviously things like loading digestion are going to mentally affect us more um which Mm. i find yeah once once it mentally affects you it just makes the physical pain so much worse Mm. because i'm thinking about it you're so focused on it so yeah did you ever figure out what it stemmed from yeah so basically like i had certain dysfunctions which we can go into if you want to um later but in hindsight, like reflecting on kind of what, you know, led me to where I was, I think it started from, you know, these things can start from 
before you were born, even when you were born. So I think a lot of it was obviously diet related. I think a lot of it was emotional and stress. But I think the big things that really affected me was um, antibiotic overuse. So I wasn't really aware of the side effects that can be associated with antibiotics. And I did a lot of rounds, maybe like 10 plus in a span of a few years. And then I think also combine that with just, you know, not really being educated or knowledgeable when it came to nutrition. So I think that had a big impact. And obviously had a bit of a history of, you know, partying and, you know, alcohol use and recreational drug use. And I think that obviously had a huge impact on my gut too. So I think it's always for most people, it's going to be a combination of things. But for me, I think, yeah, antibiotics, medications, partying and stress were probably the big ones that kind of really got me to a point of really struggling with my gut health and health in general. Yeah, especially mixed with the antibiotics because that would have done just weaken your gut. And as soon as you expose it to things like alcohol and um, bad diet, it would have just, yeah, fully flared it up and go crazy. And that's when you start to notice the signs. And sometimes it does take that point where it needs to hit rock bottom in order for you mm-hmm. to realise that and then do something about it. And then it's kind of, everything gets better from there. So sometimes mm. these signs aren't a negative thing. But I'm yeah, I think, yeah, I totally agree. I think symptoms are signals from the body. You know, symptoms usually have a cause and it's the body trying to tell you something, whether that's bloating, whether that's brain fog, whether that's, you know, more severe mental, like cognitive or brain inflammation, like depression or anxiety, whether it's constipation, food sensitivities, joint pain, there's so many little warning signs that the body sends out to bring your awareness to these symptoms. But a lot of the time we either just normalize it or we think, oh, it's not too bad. And like you said, a lot of the time it has to get to a point of, you know, really struggling rock, rock bottom, I suppose, with your health to then make a drastic change where I think sometimes it's going to be better to take some steps earlier on so that you don't end up in that point in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So I watched one of your videos and it was literally just a breath of fresh air and I did really (laughs) want to talk about it within this podcast. So it's the IBS isn't a real condition. So can you elaborate Mm. more on what that means? Yeah, so I suppose this is a bit of a controversial opinion and some people may not really be aware of this just yet, but in my opinion, I believe that IBS is a bit of an umbrella term that is used by the Western medical system uh, to put a label on digestive problems. So again, I don't want to get, you know, misconceived or anything like that. I I think the medical, the Western medical system is excellent. It has its place, but we also just need to be aware that it does have its flaws or it's, you know, it's downfalls, I suppose. So with IBS, um, basically what will happen is you go to the doctor, you might get, uh, you might tell them you've got these digestive symptoms like bloating, gas, constipation, pains, whatever it might be. And the doctor will say, you've got IBS. And then that's great, but then what? So then the solutions are usually either like a restrictive diet, so a long-term restrictive diet, like cutting out whatever you're symptomatic to or maybe low FODMAP diet, exactly, Um, which we'll get into in a sec is why that that can potentially help but not, not fix anything. Or maybe, you know, a lot of the time I've had clients being prescribed antidepressants because there's the doctor doesn't understand They think that it might be all in their head, like what I um, said potentially happened to me. Or you can get, you know, um, you can get, you can get referred to an endocrine, uh, sorry, you can get referred to a gastroenterologist 
and they might do some further testing, so like some scopes or some stool tests potentially, which very rarely, if there's something severe, might come back with something, but very often doesn't come back showing anything else. So then the, the patient or the client is left just even more confused and more lost. So the reason why I believe that IBS is not a real condition is because IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome. And a syndrome is basically a collection of symptoms. Yeah. It's not an actual disease per se. So there are actually studies where they've looked into what was the underlying cause of IBS. And some studies have found up to like around 70 plus percent of the people who were diagnosed with IBS actually had what is called SIBO, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So this is an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. So just just quickly, I don't want to get into too much like anatomy or science for your listeners if they're not really aware of it, but like there's multiple compartments of the digestive system. So if we think of like gut health, a lot of people only think of like the bacteria in the gut, but I believe that gut health comprises of so many different things. It comprises of your mind. It comprises of your mouth. It comprises of the stomach. Then from the stomach, it actually passes into the small intestine. It, the food and um, that you've consumed mixes in with things like bile and stomach acid. And then from the small intestine, that's where we absorb a lot of our nutrients. And that's then it passes into the large intestine, which is where majority of the bacteria that make up our microbiome are supposed to be located. But sometimes if there's problems with the digestive system, there can be an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. And this can lead to things like poor nutrient absorption. It can also cause damage to the actual gut lining itself. And it can cause things like bloating, gas, constipation. Specifically, these type of bacteria can feed off things like FODMAPs. So that's where like the low FODMAP diet for IBS can then help because you're removing some of these fuel sources and you're going to have a reduction of your symptoms. So if we think about that, like 70 to 80% of people have this one digestive dysfunction, this one problem with their gut health that causes their IBS symptoms. And remember that IBS is just a collection of symptoms. So if we address this bacterial overgrowth, we often see an improvement of the symptoms. So then you wouldn't necessarily be diagnosed with IBS. We've gotten to the root cause, basically, yeah? Yeah. that's just one dysfunction. So I'm not going to go into all the rest, but there's lots of different things that you could potentially have go wrong with your your gut health, basically, that will cause symptoms. But we're just putting it all under this one umbrella term of IBS when there's different things that cause these symptoms that we can address that can then allow you to kind of rectify that and not have the symptoms anymore. Yeah, and you say that the elimination helps reduce the triggers but not the root cause so it's kind of skills yeah. once you take away the foods you're reducing obviously what you're eating so obviously you're going to feel better but mm. when you a, go back to normal eating it's going to be the same exactly you're removing the foods that cause the symptoms but then the bacterial overgrowth is still there or the root cause that caused the bacterial overgrowth in the first place is still there so like a low FODMAP diet might help you manage your symptoms as you just said christy but then when the if you want to reintroduce these foods because it's not really that sustainable long term so you're going to want to or you're maybe going to you know it's not really going to be realistic for people to just cut these foods out forever then the symptoms are going to come back so we can use a low fodmap diet short term to help manage some of these symptoms 
but we really want to get to the root cause so we can reintroduce these foods because we have to also remember that FODMAPs, these are fermentable carbohydrates. These are generally things that would be considered good for gut health, that they would actually feed into beneficial bacteria. So like from just my personal experience with clients, I've actually seen clients who have been on a low FODMAP diet for a long period of time and they've actually got very low beneficial bacteria in their gut. So it kind of looks like they've done antibiotics because the oh, beneficial bacteria, God. yeah, because the beneficial bacteria don't have that, those fuel sources. So that just leads you to be more likely to relapse. It's going to just be a vicious cycle. So that's why I think IBS is a bit of a, a misunderstood term. I, don't, I think it's a bit of a, a cop-out for lack of better word, lack of better words. And I think um, if we want to dig a little bit deeper, we can actually help people much much better than just giving them that that diagnosis which then becomes part of their identity and they feel disempowered that there's nothing they can do about it so what would you say would kind of be the number one things towards like healing that overgrowth and healing your gut so there's a lot of different factors yeah i I know and it's hard hard, what are the what are the top so for the listeners what would be kind of like the top whether it's like reducing stress or a certain diet to follow so do you mind if I run you through my analogy that I really like that I think can help people understand the hierarchy that can help them kind of work on this? Would love that. Give it to me. Cool. So, cool. So I like to think of the digestive system, and I didn't make up this analogy, but I really like it as a waterfall, yeah? So if we think of a waterfall, we start at the top and we work our way down, yeah? So anything you do at the top is going to affect downstream. So like I said before, there's different segments to the digestive system and we think of it like a waterfall, yeah? So this waterfall is like our body and it starts at the top, so the mind, all right? So the top of the waterfall is really addressing stress and your emotions. So a lot of the time, chronic stress and trauma or past traumas or negative emotions, like maybe that's in your environment that you're in currently, that has a significantly negative effect on your digestive function so you want to work on that first yeah because first off if you don't then whatever you do with your gut health whether it's diet whether it's supplements it's only going to take you so far yeah you can't ignore these things that are going on in your head but secondly this is likely what got you there in the first place with those digestive symptoms so you want to if you don't address that even if you do get better you're probably going to relapse down the track and you're going to be like, oh, it didn't work for me. You're going to get feel frustrated because you didn't get to the real root cause. So that's the top of the waterfall. If you're all good mentally, awesome. Then you can come down to the next part, which is the mouth, yeah? Because this is the first part of the, di- of the, you know, the digestive process where the food comes into, and it's the main one that you have control over. So this is things like slowing down to eat, actually chewing your food, breaking it down, being in a relaxed state when you eat and swallowing your food properly. Because once the once you've swallowed the food, it's kind of out of your hands, yeah? There's not much you can do. You can't choose how well you digest the food. You can't choose how fast it moves through, you know, your digestive tract. So you really need to do the one part that you have control over, which is your eating practices. And I think that's always, well, not always, but very, very commonly overlooked for people is they're putting all this effort into the supplements they're taking. They're putting all this effort into trying to choose the best foods and the best diet for them and stick to it. But then they're just smashing the food down. They're not chewing it. They're rushing. Not they're being I don't lie. That's it. so me. But yeah. I'm going to inhale yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sitting on the floor like, <laughs> oh, no, it's the food. No, dumb. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's the thing. Yeah, and that was me too. Yeah, like I can totally <laughs> empathize because that was massively uh, me, and it took a lot of work, and it still takes. You know, obviously, when I get busy, I just want to smash the food down too. I want to get back to what I was doing, but that's half the problem, and that's what can end you up there in the first place. So, if we think about a waterfall, yeah. Then, then I'm not going to go into the detail, but then it goes into the stomach. We're moving down the waterfall. We've got the stomach next. Then we've got the small intestine. Then we've got the large intestine. So the large intestine is really the bottom of the waterfall. And that's, you know, that's where the bacteria are. That's the microbiome. So that's what most people focus on first. They try and bring up their beneficial bacteria. They try probiotics, prebiotics, things like that. But they're starting at the bottom rather than starting at the top. So they're doing it backwards. So it can yeah. only take you so far. It makes so, far. so much can... sense. I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to put it yeah. out. This like makes complete sense. And this is <laughs> why going down this gut health path and journey has never made sense to me because I'm like, I'm in pain and all these probiotics, sauerkraut are actually causing me more pain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so wow. Exactly. Sorry, keep going. I just really had to congratulate you on no. that. <laughs> thank you no i hope i hope that resonated and you know obviously we can go into that in more detail but i do think that you know that's a really important thing for people to understand is the hierarchy you have to do it in that order otherwise you're just going to be chasing your tail you're going to be on a bit of a hamster wheel because yeah. you haven't you know you haven't done in that order so if people want to understand what i think is a really important thing is like start with the mind then start with your eating practices those two things you have control over then we want to look at stomach health then we want to look at liver health then we want to look at the small intestine and then we can think about the large intestine, yeah? So, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's great as well. Like, guys, it really just comes down to focusing on one step at a time. It doesn't need to be all done at once. Like, for me and my own personal healing journey, I notice that my stomach problems always do come back when I'm stressed. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, when I'm stressed or when... I'm going through something and when I really learn to just sit back, understand the root causes my stress right now and learn to address that and manage that, that's when everything kind of gets better. So if you just look at it one step at a time, it does get so much easier and it's like it just seems so much easier. Like even listening to this podcast now, you might feel overwhelmed because there's a yep. lot to it, but it's just doing one step at a time and you could literally focus on de-stressing and your mental health and then instantly your symptoms go yeah for a lot of people that can have such a massive impact that, yeah you know trying all these different diets and they try all these different supplements and they don't see the resolution because sometimes the emotional side of things and the stress management side of things and the lifestyle that's a lot harder for them so um if that's if that's you potentially then it's just good to be aware of that and understand that it all is very holistic and that's something that i'm really passionate about is taking a holistic approach yeah not not just focusing on supplements or the diet but thinking about how you know stress and your eating practices and how even like you know your lifestyle factors and movement and things like that all interconnect and play a role because if we just focus on one thing only we're missing so many pieces of the puzzle so yeah it can be overwhelming definitely i think you know sometimes getting help is really necessary but i also do think like what you just said is taking it one step at a time can be really, really beneficial and over time will get you, you know, move you in the right direction. Exactly. And understand as well, this all could be like a lot of subconscious. Like my stress isn't really on the surface. Mine is really subconscious stuff that things are going mm -hmm. to um, cause me anxiety, like um, get out of being out of routine, 
for me personally with my ADHD, there's things that can really affect me without even understanding on the surface. So subconsciously I'm getting stressed and agitated and frustrated. And I actually noticed the other day and I said it to my partner, I find that I am always on a fucking rush. I'm always in a rush, even if I am on time or even if I have nothing to do, like I'll go to the shops and everything I'm doing is in a rush. In the car, mm. I feel like I'm always rushing. And these things are so important to become aware of because this is what's causing that subconscious stress. You may not feel stressed, you may not seem stressed, but you just rushing around and needing to go to A to B to C and just going to the next place as quickly as you can, that is naturally just going to cause your mind and body stress. And these are little mm. things that I've become aware of that I may not think that I'm stressed, but subconsciously I'm in a rush, I'm fearing being late, I'm all these things that are just hogging up and causing all this subconscious stress, which is naturally affecting my gut. So just mm. slowly becoming aware of what is making you feel that way, that little bit anxious, that little bit stressed, that little bit rushed, what makes you feel that way and trying to either reduce it, limit it or manage it. Yeah. Great points. I think it's, I'm really glad that we're talking about, you know, the stress aspect of gut health because I think it's not spoken about enough, but I think it's so, so important to help support people. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you've tried a lot of things with your gut health, you've tried, you know, different protocols, you've tried different practitioners and you haven't really seen the results you would expect, then Sometimes it might be the approach, but often it's actually internal. Often it's actually you're you're skimming over the part that you find hard, which is probably going to be changing your lifestyle, changing your stress habits, maybe changing your job or your environment, um, or working through you know things that have happened to you in your past that are still sitting there and causing those negative yeah. emotions. Oh my, the stress. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. You've hit it on the head there. Well, I am, guys. I am actually splitting this. Um, podcast into two different episodes so this one's really just going to kind of be about um ibs and everything that we've spoken about and then i'm splitting it into two because there is just honestly so much we can talk about when it comes down to gut health um so make sure that you do stay tuned and listen in on the next episode but we'll see you there and i'll see you there charlie awesome let's do it bye guys okay so